going today, guys? Back here live in the studio for another episode of Hot Takes with TP3. Today, it's Friday. It's January 8th, 2021. Y'all know what that means. Tomorrow at 1 p.m., NFL starts. So you know what we got to do. It's me and Ben back here once again to break down all the games for y'all, including the college football uh, national championship game. Ben, say what's up to everybody. Oh, I'm glad to be here, TP. Thanks for having me on. Hey, we're glad to be back once again, guys. Nobody, Me and Ben, it's been a long ride. We're almost at the finish line for uh, football takes, but good thing is it's playoff time now. This is when it all really matters. Um, been ready to record this podcast now for like three days, so we got lots of good stuff for you all today. We're going to go ahead and start things off on Saturday. I guess it's afternoon at that point, 1 p.m. We will have the Indianapolis Colts going on the road to face the Buffalo Bills. Um it's going to be a cold one out in Buffalo. The spread is currently minus six and a half. The Bills find themselves a home favorite, of course, over and under set at 51 and a half. Ben, you doing anything with this one? Yeah, so in a parlay, I have the uh, Bills minus six and a half. So I'm going to talk as if I have it as a straight bet as well. So the Bills might be the hottest offense in all football. Uh, at the moment, then the Packers are probably the two best off the top of my head that I can think of right now. Uh, absolutely rolling. Josh Allen is back in the MVP talk. I don't think he'll win it, but he's definitely back in it. Um, his offense is completely rolling. Sean McDermott, I believe, was just announced Coach of the Year um, either today or last night. I saw somewhere that he won Coach of the Year. Um, maybe that was like just like Fox announcing it. I'm not sure. Did you see that? Do you know what I'm talking about? Um, I didn't see that, so it may have just been Fox announcing. I thought they did them all for the NFL. I saw it. Yeah, maybe they do it later, but I mean, he's definitely one of the top candidates for Coach Deere, too. I would give the award too. Um, I, I don't think Phil Rivers in the offense will be able to keep up. I, I do expect a lot of points in this game because Colts' defense really hasn't been playing that well. Um, and the Bills' defense, who's been playing much better, is still. I mean, they can still give up a lot of points. This Colts' offense has a lot of weapons. I like the way Michael Pittman has stepped up at. Receiver T.Y. Hilton's still there, and they're running the football very effectively with uh, Jonathan Taylor and Naeem Hines. I, I just think Phillip Rivers, I think the Bills can get a couple turnovers on him, and I don't think they're going to be able to score as much as the Buffalo Bills. Yep, Ben, you hit the nail on the head, man. It's all about this Buffalo offense. This Buffalo offense is on fire. They've been throwing the ball all over teams. They really haven't ran the ball that much this season, but it hasn't seemed to stop them. They just throw, 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 and what do they do after that? They throw again. This Indianapolis defense regressed as the season went on. They are one of the uh, allowing a lot more points than uh, most of these other defenses were as the season went on. They fell out kind of from being one of the top defenses in the NFL to falling way, way back there in uh, points allowed. You know, pretty much all the key categories, this defense regressed a lot as the season went on, which is not what you want to see. Um, here we are, though, now in the playoffs. Look, Phillip Rivers is going to try to throw, throw, throw. He's not going to be able to keep up with this Bills passing offense. This Bills passing offense ranks third in the NFL in passing yards. Um, the only ones that are more is Tampa Bay and Kansas City. So, I mean, this is a good, that's a good company right there if you're Buffalo passing offense. I really just don't see how that Indianapolis can be able to keep up. Um, no play for me, actually, on the spread in this game. I think the, look, the line should be four and a half. I want to play the Bills. Um, some Just some trends for y'all. Philip Rivers 13-6 ATS is an underdog of six and a half or more. Um, Philip Rivers 26 and 12 is a road dog of three and a half or more. Um, Bills are 11 and 34 ATS um, after playing the Dolphins since 1998. Um, 
I would lean the Bills at the points here. Personally, not going to play anything there. I actually ended up teasing the Bills with the Buccaneers. That means Buffalo is minus one and a half. That means Tampa Bay is minus two and a half. I think that is a pretty solid teaser that should be a winner for you guys right there. Um, I don't hate a spread play on Buffalo. I'd rather just play it safe though than throwing something out there against the spread. Um, underdogs will cover. I mean, there's a lot of space there in the back door as well with that half point. You know, it could end up being a six point game, three point game. You know, I mean, Buffalo really has no reason to get margin. Buffalo can't really run the ball though, so I feel like that at the same time, betting the spread with uh, the Colts is a little risky just because Buffalo is going to have to keep throwing through. You know what I mean? They don't really take their foot off the gas. I have the same teaser that you just said. Uh, Bucks and Bills tease it six and a half. So um, I have the teaser. I, I don't have a straight bet on the Bills. I just have them. Um, I did a little six, 16 parlay. Just uh, picked the winner of each game, put it in a parlay. Um, so I have the Bills six and a half in that, but not as a straight bet. I have the teaser as my main bet for the Bills. Yeah, also, too, Indianapolis' defense is much better against the run than they are against the pass. I mean, they rank in the bottom half of the league against the pass, so that's another thing there, too, to watch out for as well. So, I mean, Indianapolis definitely get thrown on. I don't hate the over in this game. There could be some funky weather. It's going to be very cold out there. could maybe be a little snow on the ground. That's the only reason why I'm staying away from the total, but I lean with the over as well. Um, let's move now to the 4 o'clock game. I mean, how awesome is this, man, that we get three games each day? This game kicks off at 440 on Fox. You have the 10-6 LA Rams on the road facing the 12-4 Seattle Seahawks for the third time this season. The spread on this game has the Seahawks as a three-point favorite. It opened at 4.5, has gone all the way down to 3. The over-under set at 42 and went down from 42.5. I'll start off with this one because I have two bets for this one. The Rams have won nine out of the last 14 meetings between these two teams. Um, the Seahawks are 36-20 and 20 against the spread um, week 11 or later since 2013. And as home favorites, they're 53-35 and 35 against the spread also. Um, let's be honest here. Outside of the missed field goal by Blair Walsh, the Seahawks really haven't done anything in the playoffs since that's of note. I mean, yeah, they have a couple wild card round wins, but they haven't really done anything after that to get back to an NFC Championship game or anything like that. Um, Seattle was very fortunate the last time these two teams played. They could not do anything moving the ball offensively. Russell Wilson's regressed as the season's gone on. Um, another thing as well about Seattle is their defense has actually come up from being arguably the worst defense in the entire NFL. They got a little bit better, especially since they added Carlos Dunlap. Jamal Adams is questionable, though, which is something to keep your eye out there. If he doesn't go, it's going to hurt for them. At the end of the day, Rams have gone under 11 of the last 13 games they've played in. Um, I mean, these two teams, both times they played each other, it's gone under pretty easily. I'm not going to lie. Call me crazy. I think the Rams win this game outright. I love the under in this game for all the reasons I said. I mean, both times these two teams played it stayed under. I mean, they're going to be very familiar with each other's offense. I think this game will stay under again, but I really think the Rams win this game straight up. I mean, there's going to be an upset or two this weekend. I think this is the perfect spot for it. It doesn't matter to me if Jared Goff plays or not. I kind of like John Wolford in there more. He takes better care of the ball, and he can run. I mean, this Rams defense is the best unit in the NFL, hands down. They're first in the league in scoring, first in the league against the pass, third against the run. For, they're not allowing big plays either, so that's another thing I like as well. In the under, Seattle's not allowing big plays either; they're twelfth against them. I think the Rams are going to be able to do, be able to own this offense like they always do against Seattle. I think the Rams come out here and sneak out a win, but I'm playing Rams plus three and I'm playing the under in this game. But I like the Rams to come out here and win this game by a score of like like twenty to to seventeen or something really low like that. Yeah, I'm expecting a low scoring game in this game. Um... I'm not going to have a play on this game, actually. I'm leaning towards the under. It's just 
42 and a half is just kind of a low number, but mm-hmm. I, I mean, you brought it up. You said, it, you said it perfectly. The Rams have really, if you look at their track record against Russell Wilson, um, I don't know if you want to say they own him, but they, they kind of do. Um, in the two games they've played against him this year, the first game, Russell Wilson was awful. Uh, 57 passer rating, two interceptions, only threw for 248 yards, no touchdowns. And this and that was the game they lost. And the game they won, uh, played. I mean, he played fine in this game. He 93.9 passer rating. It's pretty good there. 225 yards, a touchdown, a rushing touchdown, a passing touchdown, and no interceptions, no turnovers. But if you look at the you know past the years, the Rams have really played well against Russell Wilson. Uh, not only did you mention that they have the best defense in the NFL, they probably have the best player in the NFL that's not a quarterback. And Aaron Donald, he absolutely – I mean, you want to talk MVP, like what the actual acronym stands for. It's most valuable player. I don't know how many players are more valuable to their team than Aaron Donald. He is a disruptor. He's a force in the middle. Um, I would wait to maybe see – if people want to play the Rams in this game, um, personally, I would wait to hear the news on – Goff. I don't think the number I think the plus three number right now is not going to move. I think I mean he's limited in practice so I don't see why it would move that much if he doesn't end up playing. You know what I mean? So I I like the under. I'm not going to have a play in this game but I'm not expecting very many points because Russell Wilson doesn't score that that many points when he plays the Rams in past history and I don't think the Rams can just score enough with or without Goff. Yeah, also, too, something I want to say about the last game. Yeah, it was 20-9, to but Seattle got one of their touchdowns in garbage time. Um, Jared yeah. Goff was literally running out of bounds and just tossed the ball back in the middle of the field to throw one of the interceptions, which is one of the worst picks I've seen in a while. On the other drive, too, the Rams went four and out at the one at the one yard line because the running back Darrell Henderson uh, pulled his hamstring. Also, they didn't have Cam Akers, so love Cam Akers back in here as well. Um, and also, Cooper Cup did not play last week for the Rams, so... I really just feel like the Rams should be 2-0 against the Seattle team. I think they know it as well as anybody else does. I like the Rams to come out here, man, and handle business. And, it's gonna be- and, he, and here's another thing. I mean, the, I'm, one of the best matchups in this entire wildcard weekend, specifically in this game, is DK Metcalf and Jalen Ramsey. Yep. 100%. So in the first matchup where the Rams won 23-16, DK had four targets, and he had two catches for 28 yards. That was, again, they lost. In the game, Seattle won. DK Metcalf had eight targets. Six catches for 59 yards. So six catches for 59 yards is not horrible um, going up a, a guy like Jalen Ramsey, but they're going to need they're going to need him to find the end. I mean, maybe not find the end zone, but they're going to need him to put the production up that he's capable of doing. Um, I, I expect T.J. Lockett and Russell Wilson to do their thing on the scramble drill. You always got to find 16 when mm-hmm. when Russell Wilson's scrambling for his life. 16 is always open somehow. So there's no better defense on the Rams. Yeah, hey, it's going to be a hell of a game to watch. I think that's honestly the second best. I think that's the best matchup of the entire wild card weekend. It's between that one and Baltimore, Tennessee. I mean, those are going to be two, like, those are two just great matchups. Um, next game up here on their slate, though, is the final game on Saturday night. This one kicks off at 8.15 over on NBC. You've got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers um, as eight-point road favorites heading into Washington to face the Washington football team. Over-under set at 44.5. Um I'll start off with this one here. I locked this one in earlier in the week, got under at 45, but I actually my max play for the week is the under. So I'm going to give you all my reasoning why here. It's a pretty complex handicap. So first off, 
Washington football team with Alex Smith in there is five and one, averaging twenty six points per game. Obviously, their record they have they pretty much won two games without him. One of them being the first game of the season against the Trash Eagles. They're scoring sixteen points per game without Alex Smith in there. Um, in seven night games, Tom Brady has produced ninety eight points of offense, uh, or he's fallen ninety eight points short of the spread the last two years. Look, Tom Brady plays awful in night games. Y'all can go look at the numbers. Tom Brady's numbers drop off substantially. Um, if Tom Brady wasn't playing in one of these games, he goes to bed by 8.30 every single night. So he's usually in bed. His routine and rhythm and everything is thrown off. He's played awful in night games this season. Y'all saw it, especially against the Rams on Monday Night Football. Um, this is the best defense, arguably, in the NFL behind the Rams with the Washington football team here. This unit is nasty. They're hungry. They're ready to play. Tampa Bay's defense is no slouch either. This defense is nasty as well. Both teams are pretty much in the top five in every single category. I think this game is going to be a defensive struggle. Star wide receiver Terry McLaurin also is a little banged up as well. I mean, he's going to go, but he's by no means 100%. Shoot, Alex Smith isn't even 100% for the Washington football team. Might even see Taylor Heineke get in there and take some snaps. At the end of the day, I think Washington's going to be able to keep it within the number. I like I like Tampa to win this game 20 to uh, 13. So therefore, that covers my uh, plus eight. That also covers my under, and that covers my Tampa Bay minus two and a half. I think we can hit all those bets. Look, it's going to be a tight defensive battle, I think. Washington football team plays well as an underdog as well. You know, they're sitting here saying, wow, Vegas really says we're eight points worse than a team when we're playing at home in the playoffs. I mean, that's whiteboard material right there. That's fire you the hell up and get out there and kick some ass right there. I mean, I think Washington football team shows up big here and keeps this game close and gives Tampa Bay all they want and more. But Tampa Bay ultimately wins this. Where did you hear? that he goes to bed at 8 or 8.30. That's the biggest takeaway I think I just got from all you just said. <laughs> yeah, I actually heard it on uh, another podcast I was listening to, and I was watching NFL Live yesterday, actually, and they brought it up as well. <laughs> Dude, that's hilarious that you know that. Um, so I, other than the teaser that I already said with the Bills, uh, so I have the Bucks in this game, minus one and a half in that teaser. I'm very certain they should be able to cover this number. Um, I mean, the biggest thing to to talk about in this game for me is the defensive line for the uh, Washington football team. And you got Payne, you got Allen, mm. um, you got Chase Young, and you have uh, Sweat. All four are tremendous at rushing the passer. Uh, shout out Alabama because two of those are them. Um, they rush the passer almost better than any other unit in, in the uh, National Football League. Tom Brady can't move, so his offensive line needs to protect him. But e even if they get to Brady uh, in the first quarter, first half, not many people are able to make adjustments like Bruce Arians and uh, Tom Brady. They'll go to the quick pass game. That's where A.B. has really come into effect these last couple of weeks. He's, he's been great on the slants. I think A.B. has a touchdown in the last three games, if not four games. So it seems like him and Brady are um, really on the right track right now. Mike Evans, I mean, listen, he that's a tough cover. This is, this is a tough cover game for the entire secondary of Washington's. But they're definitely up for the challenge. This is a defense that can challenge a lot of offenses in this league. It's just their offense is so bad that they don't really help them out that much. So I'm sticking with my teaser play in the Bucks one and a half. But I really do like everything you said. Yeah, it's it should be a low scoring game, but I mean this one's gonna be fun to watch. I don't think I don't. I mean Washington football team's offense isn't great. They're pretty banged up on that side, but I mean they're not just gonna lay down without any kind of fight. It's gonna be a fun game to watch. I mean. I don't think I'll do much moving from my couch this weekend. That's yeah, but I, I believe I believe uh, Devin White is out for the Bucks, which 
Um, he's been out a couple of games, so they do have a replacement for him. But he's definitely one of he's definitely their best sideline to sideline linebacker. That dude's everywhere on the field whenever he's there. Yeah, absolutely. That's another thing that makes me like that Washington football team bet. I put in a little bit more as well there. Um, let's move here now to our next game on the card, and that one is going to be the Baltimore Ravens on the road at the Tennessee Titans. Once again, Baltimore finds himself a three-point road favorite, over-under set at 54.5. Ben, since you're up there in Nashville, what do you think is happening in this one? Yeah, so I'm not going to bet against the Titans. Um, that's uh, I'm not going to be living in Nashville, Tennessee, rooting for the Titans, betting against the Titans. So in a in a biased bet, I already took Titans when it was plus three and a half. So I have Titans plus three and a half. And he, here's what I'll actually talk about the game in an unbiased way. Um, the last two times they've played, the Titans are two and zero. Oh. One of those was a um, overtime victory this season. The the Ravens have not been able to stop Derrick Henry. Not many teams are able to stop Derrick Henry, but the Ravens have not been able to stop Derrick Henry at all. He runs all over them. The way that you and I have talked about the best way to beat the Ravens all year is get an early lead and force Lamar Jackson to throw the football. And if this is going to be a game where, uh, you know, both defensive strategies are to make the quarterbacks throw, I I personally have more confidence in that Ryan Tannehill can outduel Lamar Jackson in a passing game. I, I believe that. I think his weapons are good. I think they're good enough in Tennessee – uh, I think A.J. Brown's a stud. I think Corey Davis is, is serviceable. I think he's pretty good. Uh, uh, Smith, the tight end, Joanna Smith, is pretty good. And Tenno can move. He may not move like Lamar Jackson, but he he's very mobile outside the pocket. He's great in the play-action game. But that's where the Titans in the play-action game, specifically specifically in the defensive end, abysmal. They're awful. Um, if you if you watch some, some of their games, what teams are able – what quarterbacks are able to do um, on the play action against the Titans is it's crazy. Every quarterback looks like a stud against them. So uh, I was just watching NFL Live and Mina Kimes is making fun of the Titans defense for how bad they are. So I think this game is really close. I think both teams want and have the exact same strategy. I'm just personally not going to bet again. I'm not going to you know watch a football game and have money against the team I'm rooting for with the Titans in my in my hometown right now. So um, I think. This is one of the most interesting matchups of the game uh, um, of the Wild Card Weekend because it's it's two teams that know each other well and they've had past history in the last playoffs and in the regular season they just played each other. So I'm expecting a great game. Um, the Titans defense they're gonna have to change something up because you you can't let Lamar just run all over because that's when the Ravens are gonna beat you. If he's able to run all over, run wherever he wants, it's really hard to beat that team because their defense is pretty good on the other side of the ball. Um, I, I just think Tannehill is good enough to keep this game close, and I have it at three and a half, so I like that number. Yep, you get agreements for me on this one, Ben. Look, I would take the over, but both these teams are just going to run, 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 run. Therefore, I cannot bet the over just because this game could just turn into a grinded out on the ground kind of game. But, I mean, look, Tennessee's defense is respectable. I'll give them respectable against the run. They're awful against the pass. What's the problem with Baltimore? They have the 32nd best passing offense in the NFL. Look, I think that Tennessee, they're, they can contain Lamar Jackson, keep him in the pocket. Obviously, Vrabel has a game plan for defending Lamar Jackson. I think he'll be able to implement, implement the exact same game plan once again because 
The game plan is make Lamar throw the football. Last time I checked, Lamar Jackson hasn't gotten any better in that area. Therefore, I think no. Tennessee can play to their to their um, kind of you know play to their weakness here and kind of protect themselves a little bit. Tennessee's worst trait though is the fact they can't get off the field on third down. I expect them to be able to rally and get off the field a little bit here on third down. I also expect them to be able to march up and down the field with them. One of my favorite things to say is there's one thing about A.J. Brown. He's always open. I expect a lot of that. I expect King Henry to get the ball running on the ground as well. I think this game is going to be a shootout, but ultimately I'll take the three and a half points here with the home team. I mean, Tennessee, it's the same thing here. I'm putting up on the whiteboard. Look, we're three and a half point dogs at home to a team that ass we kicked last year in the playoffs. I mean, that game wasn't even close. Tennessee absolutely dominated them. If I'm Vrabel, I'm saying, why can't we do that to them twice here? I think Tennessee comes out here with a swagger and punches Baltimore in the mouth and sends them home packing. Yeah, so I think an important thing to mention in this game is that the um, first time they played in the regular season this year, it was at, it was in Baltimore, Tennessee, won 30-24 in overtime. Um, Lamar Jackson had a passer rating of 74.8. I, I wouldn't say that's anything to brag about. Um, he only had 51 rushing yards as well. Also, their leading receiver in this game, their leading target guy, was Mark Andrews. Well, Thomas, is Mark Andrews playing? Uh, I believe he's not, Ben. <laughs> I believe he's not. So, they Baltimore's been struggling ever since he's been out. They they haven't had the production from a um, a collective group of guys since. So, and and Ryan Tannehill was uh, 104.1 passer rating, two touchdowns and an interception. Derrick Henry ran for 28 carries, 133 yards and a touchdown. So, like I mentioned, he runs all over Baltimore. Tannehill, uh, he had, he had a pick in that game, but. For the most part, Tannehill takes care of the ball and uh, is very effective in the play-action game. And listen, the only way the Ravens are going to win games in this playoffs is if Lamar can throw the ball effectively. He has not shown that he can do it that often. So I'm going to take the home team with the dog, three and a half points. Yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm liking this one as well. I can, I'm right there with you on all that. Um, next game here is going to be probably the most least interesting game of the entire weekend, which is the Chicago Bears, who I would argue don't even deserve to be in the playoffs, on the road here versus the New Orleans Saints. Bears are a 10-point road dog, over under at 47. Anything from you on this one, Ben? I got the under 47 and a half. Um, I think the Bears' defense is good. I don't, I don't. I think the Saints' offense is good, but I wouldn't necessarily call them an explosive offense. I think they're a team, and I think the Bears, I think that plays in fact for the Bears' defense. Um, not a lot of big plays the Bears are, are going to give up in this game. I don't expect them to give up a lot of big plays. The Bears have talent on all three levels. Um, a lot of talent on the, on the um, defensive line. Roquan Smith, I, I believe, should have been an all-pro linebacker this year. If you look at the linebackers that got it, I believe his numbers are better. Um, and then their secondary is pretty good. So Fuller's back there, Eddie Jackson's back there, so they got a lot of talent on this Bears defense, but their offense is just really, really bad. Saints defense, not as great as they were in the beginning of the season, but it's still a pretty good defense. They can get pressure on the quarterback. I, I don't think the Bears will be able to put up that many points. So I'm going to take the under 47 and a half in this game. Yeah, I don't think that's a bad play there, especially when you got Noodle Arm and Slant Boy throwing it underneath the whole game. So probably not a lot of big plays. So I think you're on the right track there, Ben, with that under. I'm actually going to take the Bears plus the points here. And so my reason being, let's hop in the time machine and go all the way back to about week six or seven, Halloween weekend. The Bears played the Saints on the at home, and the Saints won this game 26-23 on a field goal in overtime. 
Look, I think the Bears match up well against this team for all the reasons you said. They're a big physical defense. They're not going to give up the big plays. They're going to keep everything in front of them. Also, too, Mitch Trubisky and this offense got rolling in the second half of the season. I think they kind of ride that wave a little bit in this game. I think they come in with some swagger and some confidence. I mean, that Packers game was still a four-point game in the fourth quarter. I mean, they ended up getting blown out, but they hung around with Green Bay for a while. This New Orleans offense is not the Green Bay offense. It's a good offense, but it's not Green Bay. Um, I think that they get a little swagger going, and I think they're going to be able to keep it within the points. I think they're always going to try to cover. I think this game reminds me a lot of the Alabama Notre Dame game in the sense of you're not playing the game to win. You're playing the game to get put some respect on your name. That's what I think the Bears are going to try to do here. I think the Bears keep it within the number, and I just think 10 is way too much for a playoff game. Well, it should be mentioned that the three games the Bears did win at the end of the season were Houston, at Minnesota, and at Jacksonville. But yeah, I, mean, I, I mean, but it's 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 more. I agree with you in the fact that it, it's more than it's just three wins against three non-playoff teams, two teams that are really really bad. It's more than that because it, it's the confidence that Mitch Trubisky was able to gain. It's the confidence and continuity that he seems like he got a little bit back on track with Matt Nagy and uh, whoever. I think the Bears switched play callers midseason, so I'm not sure who's calling plays for them right now. But it seems like they're more on track than any year that Trubisky's been there before. Um, I, I mean, he's won three of his last four games in the regular season. I would assume his confidence is, it's got to be somewhat there, don't you think? I mean, a win's a win in this league. Mm-hmm. So I, I agree with you that it is too many points, but I, I don't think the Bears can score that much. So I, I just, I'm not going to lay the points. I'm just going to take the under in this game. Also, by the way, too, that Minnesota game was a playoff elimination game. So, you know, there was a little was. something on the line yeah. there. That is but, true. hey, if, if you like the under laying 10 – when you have double digits and you're liking under in a game, I feel like they correlate well against each other because if your team's not going to get good big margin to hit it, you know what I mean? I feel like if you're not going to get a lot of margin, that an under correlates well with a, t- with a double-digit spread. Um, last game here of the weekend before we do before we do our last college football game of the season. It makes me sad to even say that. Um, you got the Cleveland Browns here on the road at Heinz Field facing the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is your Sunday night football game on NBC at 8-15. Um, Pittsburgh finds himself a six-point home favorite. Um, over-under set at 47.5. I'll start out with this one. So this line opened at four, and it went all the way up to six off the news that Kevin Stefanski, um, right or left guard, um, what is his, what's the left guard's name again? I'm drawing a blank on his name right now. Um, and, I don't know. Yeah, I can't think of his name either. He's good, though. He's one of the better guards, though, in the NFL. Is out. A practice squad wide receiver is out, as well as two other coaches for the Browns. Look, this is my main reason here for liking Pittsburgh. Reason number one being Pittsburgh had the weird scheduling because of the COVID switch around, so they never really got a chance to rest. Well, they got a chance to rest a lot of their guys last week, and they still almost beat the Browns with resting all those guys. Six-point turnaround here shouldn't be too hard, but the reason that I really don't like Cleveland in the spot is the fact that not only, you know, in this era, a lot of these coaches are just like the CEO, you know, like they tell everybody, you know, I mean, like they run, they say, they have people that do all the play call and everything, they just sit back and run the business. Well, Kevin Stefanski is the play caller, and I mean, he kind of made this offense for Baker Mayfield and everything. I mean, we've seen clearly Baker Mayfield is not the kind of guy you can sit back there, just pick a team apart. Kevin Stefanski kind of holds his hand and does everything for him. He's not going to be there, and I think that is a humongous loss. I think Pittsburgh knows how to defend them as well as they blew them out earlier in the season as also. So, you know, I feel like that this is a good spot here for Pittsburgh to get rolling. I feel like Pittsburgh gives an all-in effort, you know, after especially after just the way the season's gone and everything, how people kind of threw them in the trash after they started the season out undefeated and the way they lost his four games in a row. I think this is an all-out 
effort here against a Browns team that Big Ben is dominated. I think he's like 23-2 in like a tie or something like that against them in his career. I think Pittsburgh comes out here, gets the job done, wins this game something like 24 to like 10 or 24 to 14. But regardless, I think Pittsburgh covers the spread and comes out victorious here. I think it's a home run spot for the Steelers. So I actually got the Steelers earlier in the week at minus five and a half. Um, so I got them before the sixth number. Um, that was before Stavansky was out. So I like it even more now. I really dislike, I'm starting to dislike Juju Smith-Schuster a lot, even though like <laughs> I'm, I'm one of those guys that like, I love trash talk if you back it up. And he's definitely a guy that he plays well. He, I mean, he, he does back it up. I'm just not a huge, I'm not a TikTok guy. I don't like seeing a football player do it on the logo of another team. I, whatever. He plays well. He backs it up. I don't care. He had some trash talk to talk about this week. And, you know, if you dive into the context of it without just looking just at the quote, if you just look at the quote, you're like, wow, like, you know, that's pretty disrespectful. Like, the Browns are going to. Bulletin board, bulletin board material, but if you look at the entire context, like what he said is really not wrong. He was like, the Browns are the Browns. We blew them out when in the beginning of the year when we were both healthy, and when we were sitting all of our guys last week, they beat us by two. Like, we know they can beat them, and yeah, he's right. The Steelers are the better football team in this game. Um, I love Tomlin. I tell you all the time, I love Mike Tomlin as a coach. Um, great motivator. I think he gets these boys. I, listen, Big Ben resting last, last week. A lot of them resting last week. I think it's going to be big. As long as they catch the ball for Big Ben, I think the spots are there. The Steelers have had drops this year. Uh, Deontay Johnson has really struggled with drops this year. Uh, Claypool has a couple drops this year. Uh, Juju has a couple drops. They, they just dropped the ball way too much. So another I mean, two key guys out for the Browns that um, you mentioned the offensive guys, but Ronnie Harrison starting safety and Denzel Ward starting cornerback. I believe both of them are out um, on the COVID list as well. So listen, it's a tall order for the Browns and it's a team that doesn't necessarily know how to win playoff games because they just haven't been there yet. I think it's a tremendous step forward for their organization. I think they finally do uh, have their, you know, a coach that they can believe in, bring them, you know, to win the division one day. I think Stavansky did an unbelievable job. He's going to be up for coach of the year. He might even win it. I think Baker, Baker, when he got drafted, um, obviously he was pretty cocky. And he had a quote where he said, like, I believe I'm the right guy to bring this team, you know, back to the days. And but, well, Okay, so he did that, right? So he, he has brought this team to the playoffs. So this is a tremendous step forward. I just think it's a little bit too much to overcome uh, with the Steelers resting their guys and going to be motivated. The Steelers team is really good. Uh, when they play their game, they're just pretty inconsistent with it. So I got the Steelers minus five and a half. Yeah, Ben, I like the fact we're on the same side on that one as well. It's going to be a fun one to watch. I agree with everything you said there. Um, hey, for those of y'all playing these, play responsibly. Let's have a good weekend. But it's time for us to do the final caller football game of the season. Makes me a little sad. You can see tears. Actually, I guess y'all can't see it, but there's tears coming down both of our cheeks right now as I speak. But... We've got the Ohio State Buckeyes playing the Alabama Crimson Tide here. Spread is now up to minus eight for Alabama over under set of 75. This game's gonna be on Monday night in Hard Rock Stadium in Miami. Just because Ben's the Alabama fan, we'll let him go second on this one. I'll start us off here. Look, I could sit here and list stats and this and that for y'all. Alabama's winning this game. There's one concern I have though here. Against the spread, the favorite is five or is one and five against the spread in the national championship game. 
Ohio State, though, does have COVID scare. We weren't even sure if this game was going to happen. It's been back and forth all week long. If it's going to happen right now, they're saying it's going to happen. I'm not 100% sure on that. Look, I don't see the final. Yeah. Oh, it's official? Yeah, yeah, the Bama Athletic Director tweeted it's official. Okay, perfect, perfect. So I'm going to need to see this final COVID report for Ohio State. I just want to make sure we're not going to be missing any key, key players. But I think eight points here is pretty generous. I mean, when you look at Texas A&M, when you look at – Florida, you look at you know some of the better teams that Alabama faces here, they're at least able to put some points up on Alabama. I'm not saying that Ohio State's going to beat them here. I don't think they are by many means. I actually have three future bets on Ohio State to win the national or Alabama to win the national championship. I think I'm going to I'm going to hit. I think eight points is too generous. I think Ohio State's going to be able to keep it within a touchdown or so. I think the spread should be more like five or five and a half. I think Chris Olave and just the way they play with Trey Sermon, I think they're going to take a little page out of Notre Dame's playbook. I think they're going to run the ball with Trey Sermon, try to keep the Alabama offense off the field as much as they can, and I think they're going to be able to keep this game closer than it should be. I don't think we're going to sit here and watch one of those blowout national championships like we did last year or anything. I think this game is going to come down to the wire. Ultimately, I think Alabama is going to win it. It may even be Ohio State through the back door. I think Ohio State gets it done and covers the plus the plus eight. I also think we're going to go over 75. I haven't officially decided if I'm going to play the over 75 or not, but I just feel like these two offenses are too damn talented to not be able to hit that. When you have two offenses that are that good and the way these defenses play, I just feel like that Alabama is going to be able to – I mean, Alabama can score whenever they need to. We haven't seen them not be able to score whenever they need to yet this season. Ohio State, I think they will be able to go up and down the field and do their part of the over as well. I lean over in this game. I like Ohio State plus eight. I just think it's too many points and too rich of a line. I mean, this Alabama team might be one of the best college football teams ever seen. I just don't know if they're eight points better than Ohio State. Well, they got to complete the uh, they got to complete the season's quest, right? To be to be a part of one of the best teams ever. I mean, listen, all these awards are great. I mean, um, Heisman, Walter, uh, just Player of the Year in general, best quarterback, best running back. Um, best offensive line as a unit. I mean, listen, all these awards are great, but it, it, it doesn't mean much unless you cap it off with, with a title like we saw at LSU last year. And it's Ohio State, listen, there's a lot of weapons um, that are going to be on this field. I, I'm not going to bet on this game very much. Um, I don't need an incentive. I, I'm, I, you know, I'm graduated at the University of Alabama. I will be rooting for Alabama. I believe Alabama will win this game. The only bet I'm going to be taking, and I can't take it right now because I can't even see the number on FanDuel, but I will be taking Alabama's team total points over. Um, I don't really care what the number's at. I don't think there's a defense in the country that can stop Alabama from scoring points. So that's the only bet I'm going to be taking, um, or at least that I'm saying out loud for now. It's, it's, I mean, Chris Olave, like you mentioned, he's, he's their main guy. But, I mean, Sermon can get a couple of receptions. They also have Garrett Wilson. Um, let me do, Yeah, Garrett Wilson. Been there for a couple of years now. He's great, and I mean Sermon running the football. Fields can run the football. We'll see if um, if Teague gets any carries in this game. He didn't get any carries against um, Clemson, but I mean th- there's just a really a couple matchups across the field that I want to mention. Uh, people look, can look out for them because they're just they're NFL guys. Um, the first one is Chris Olave, who's Ohio State's best receiver, Justin Fields' favorite target. Will most likely be matched up against the best corner. Um, in college football, at least in my opinion. And Pat Sertain Jr. from Alabama, he wears number two. Chris Olave wears number two, so it's number two versus number two if Sertain guards him the entire game. Uh, Sertain's a blanket. Simple as put, he's a blanket. He is so locked down on an island in coverage. I mean, no one, not a lot of teams have really been able to, not a lot of teams have been thrown at him this year. 
He gave up a late touchdown. Um, it was not a garbage time touchdown, but a late touchdown in the Florida game. I believe that that's the only touchdown he's given up all year. If, if it's not that one, he's given up one more. So he's given up two or less touchdowns all year. That's an incredible matchup to watch. Another one, Heisman winner, Walter Camp Player of the Year winner, Devontae Smith has like 20 touchdowns this year, maybe 2021, something like that, which is first in college football uh, for wide receivers. Well, the best corner in terms of what McShay sees for Ohio State is Sean White, or Sean Wade, my apologies. He's given up six touchdowns allowed this year. That's third most in college football. So, I mean, obviously that matchup favors Devontae in a big way, but here's the thing. Devontae Smith, if you watch Alabama games, moves around constantly. He does not line up in the same spot on consecutive plays very often, if he does at all. He'll be the outside guy. He'll be the slot. He's been in the backfield for a couple times. Um, He's everywhere. He also does punt returns. So it's hard for Ohio State to just kind of lock in on Devontae Smith. Alabama and Sarkeesian does a tremendous job of putting him in stack formations. And what that does is you can't press Smitty um, at the line of scrimmage. It, It allows him to be able to have some room to work, and his footwork is just so good that it's really just hard to stay in front of him. Um, I'm sure people have read by now that Jalen Waddle has been cleared to practice, and he and he has been practicing, and he's been going through um, the national championship prep with Alabama with the offense. But it's from what I've read, it's pretty much up to him on whether he's going to play or not, which pretty much means it's up to Saban. Um, I don't know. I, I don't believe that he's 100 percent in this game if he plays. I don't believe that. Uh, there's just no way. But I believe he's healthy enough to play. So that's another factor to look out for. It's just another weapon that, you know, Mac Jones gets. So, listen, we've talked about it all year. This Alabama offense is explosive in just about every single way. They have the best offensive line in the country. That's not my opinion. They just won the Joe Award um, winner. So that's technically a fact. Mac Jones won the best quarterback award. Najee Harris won the best running back award. And then they have great receivers. So, that's why I'm leaning towards I, – I don't think there's a defense, so I'm leaning towards the team total over for Bama. I'm excited to watch this game, man. Um, not a big Ohio State fan in general. Uh, don't know a ton of Ohio State people, but I know enough that they make me mad. So, listen, a key number to look for, uh, I want to remind everyone, is Nick Saban is one national championship away from passing Bear Bryant. Um, that's a significant number in college football history for obvious reasons. And it's, it's a significant number for um, the university of Alabama, just school history, football program in general. So I'm hoping Nick can get one more. Um, I know he's not retiring after this year, so I believe he's going to get one more, even if he doesn't win it this year, but there's just a lot of storylines. This is a tremendous game. It's just, this should be a lot of excitement. I'm expecting a lot of fireworks, both teams, Alabama leads the country in plays for 20 yards or more. Ohio State, I believe, is second. I believe Alabama is leading the country in yards per play, and I think Ohio State's second or third. Uh, points per game, Alabama's up there. Uh, they're definitely top three. I believe Ohio State's top three, if not top five. So I'm expecting a lot of fireworks. I would not want to be a defensive coordinator in this game. And listen, I don't believe – I think it depends on each situation, but I know that a lot of um, people like to mention how, you know, Steve Sarkeesian has already accepted the university of Texas job to be their head coach. And like, I don't want to hear any of the crap that like 
it's a distraction. Um, even if Alabama loses this game, it's not a distraction, okay? If Alabama loses this game, it's because they didn't execute. The better football team on this field is Alabama. I think Ohio State fans could even admit that. Across the board, Ohio, Alabama has more talent and a better coach than what Ohio than what the Ohio State Buckeyes are putting on the field. So if Alabama plays their game, they should win this game. They have more talent. And I don't think that's very biased to say that because I think you would agree with me. Yeah, no, I would definitely agree with you on all that, Ben. I've been, hey, you hit the nail on the head, man, with all those points. So I'm expecting a great game. Um, very excited to watch this game. I expect a lot of points. So we'll see. I'm going to take the Alabama team total over. I'm going to root for the Tide. I'm going to be obnoxious with rooting for the Tide. So I don't know if I'm going to be on Twitter that much, but I'll be obnoxious with the people watching with me. So um, You have to. If he makes it to the national championship, you got to be obnoxious. Listen, it's been it's it's been a while since they've won it. It's been three. It's been what three years, something like that. Mm-hmm. Three years. It, that's a long time for Nick Saban, right? <laughs> See, that's what I'm saying. That's why there's no doubt in my mind that Alabama handles business. You know, this is what they set out for at the beginning of the season. They got left out of the college football playoff last year, and they're pissed off about it. They made it this far. They're not going to let up now. So, you know, I agree with you. Well, they you. didn't get left out. They didn't deserve to make it last year. True, but you know what I mean, though. I mean, still, there's teams who've made it with an at, you know, without playing in their conference championship. So, you know, Alabama. I mean, yes, I agree with you; they didn't deserve to make it, but I'm sure they also feel like they kind of got left out of it. So, I just feel like that this has been their quest all along, and they're, you know, what I mean. Like they're they're ready. They're not, they're not going to just come in this game and not be ready. Like they're going to come out here ready to fire. I mean, no one, like you said, no one is more um, as North national championship experience than Nick Saban does. And. From what I've read and what I've heard from Ryan Day um, in terms of betting on this game, so I don't know if he has to actually release the reports on who has COVID or not. He has basically said, don't ask me because I'm not telling you. Um, So I would not expect – I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if you don't know by Sunday night. Or if you you don't hear until Sunday night, I meant, um, until who's missing this game for the Buckeyes. I know that I texted um, one of my friends who went to Ohio State and – you know, they were missing like 15 players against Clemson. I believe only like four or five of them were maybe starters. Um, I, I, you know, I think most of them maybe have been special teams players, but it may still counts, and they blew out Clemson. So a lot of talent on the field, a lot of young talent on the field for both teams. So Malachi Moore, true freshman, um, slot corner, has been one of the best in the country all year for Alabama. Did not play as much against Notre Dame. Um, I believe he was banged up a little bit, but also he's just a little bit smaller. And Saban wanted to play a little bit uh, bigger and physical of a corner. Um, he's back. He's practiced all week, so uh, he should be back. And listen, Alabama really doesn't have any COVID problems coming into this game that I've heard about or that I even know about. They should be at full strength. Ohio State will most likely be at full strength. I don't know. The pres- I'm not a doctor. Um, <laughs> I think that's obvious. I don't know if Justin Fields is 100%, but I do know he's playing in this game. Um, this will be his last college football game. I said it last week before the Clemson game. He's a guy that shows up, and when you when you put the bright lights on and you and you face him against another NFL quarterback, I mean, obviously Fields is more talented than uh, in terms of NFL. People have him going higher than Mac Jones, but this is a guy that loves to compete. So I expect him to show out in this game, whether he's 100% or not. He's going to give it 100%. And, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's really going to come down to Ohio State's going to want to run the ball. Can Alabama stop Sermon? And um, I think a fascinating number is since December, Alabama has blitzed 
on about 40% of their defensive plays, or I guess they've gotten pressure on the quarterback 40% of their defensive plays since December. That's a big step. Justin Fields, it's a big step because Justin Fields against um, more than four rushers this year, three touchdowns, three interceptions. I think a 50, below 60% um, pass completion rate. So not great against the blitz. I think both defenses are going to have to get pressure on both of these quarterbacks. I really think that's the only way. I think if you give both of these quarterbacks time in the pocket, they're going to sling the ball downfield over and over and over because both these quarterbacks love to throw the deep ball. Both quarterbacks are very successful at throwing the deep ball. And the way, and the only way to take away the deep ball is to not give the quarterback as much time. Yeah, hey, I agree with you once again on everything, Ben. This going to be a great game to watch, guys. Make sure you tune in. But, Ben, any final words before we get up out of here? Oh, yeah. Two words, two simple words, and you know what they are. You want to say them with me? Roll Tide. Roll Tide. <laughs> hey, everyone, once again, thank you for tuning in and listening to me and Ben all season long. We still have more NFL. This is our last college football of the season. Obviously, we'll still have more college football talk as things tend to happen in this offseason. But we appreciate everyone who's been on the ride with us, and we'll talk to you all again soon.